Okay, if you are in kindergarten through fifth grade, we got Kids Connection. I think it's WKFM. Don's teaching this morning. And the rest of you, turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 4. I know it seems like we're bouncing around in the book of Acts, and if it seems that way, it's because we are. I, uh, I got a little bit concerned this morning, thanks, everyone. I got a kind of a panicked text message from Carlos. It says, I'm in the emergency room. Now, Carlos, I, don't, I just got to tell you, if you're sending a text message, don't lead with that. So I'm reading through it, and you know, he said, I decided to go horseback riding. I was riding this horse named um, uh, Omer. That's right. And it, it, uh, it kept going and going, and it bucked me off when I fell down. And uh, my, my foot was caught in a strap, and it was dragging me. And finally, the convenience store owner came out and unplugged the machine. <laughs> took away the rest of my quarters, so I couldn't ride the Batmobile. So... Then I realized it was a joke. Because, <laughs> uh, Carlos, I had just seen you. I saw you come to make the coffee, and then it says, I'm in the emergency room. So I'm, my mind's other places on Sunday morning, obviously. Um, but that, that was a good one. Of course, I remember when those machines were only a dime. Anybody else remember that? All right. A nickel, huh? Yeah, but you had to wind them yourself, right? <laughs> uh, I want to review where we are in this series. I think it's a very important series uh, for our church, for the church. Uh, for one, we can tend to think that uh, our mission isn't as important as the mission is the church down the road or the mega church in town, uh, which is simply not true. Anyone who is a follower of Christ, and we could even generalize this, any church that is faithful to Jesus Christ, has a mission. We have a mission. You have a mission. And the mission is always go out. And we always want to stay in. And the mission continues to push us out. Jesus' word to us, go. And, and that was in Matthew. In Acts, it's the same thing. Go. Go into all the world. Today, we'll see the disciples, after they have uh, some difficulty in mission, they get back together, which is a good thing. You need to, there's a reason we need to gather and go. It's not just about going, and it's not just about gathering. There's a gathering and a going, we'll see. But just as a quick review, uh, the first part, the first one in this series was called Mission Given. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, God has given you a mission. That's from Acts 1. The second message was this. Our mission is to tell the world the good news, uh, the forgiveness and new life available in Jesus. That's mission content. Uh, repent and believe could be a way to summon, it up, summon that up. But we learned there in Acts chapter 9, it was about forgiveness, cleansing from sin, and new life. And that's something that's repeated over and over again in, in Acts. Uh, number three, our message was this. Our message and the world's thinking are galaxies apart. So we need hearts that are broken for the lost. We learned this last week. And celebrating the small victories. We were in Acts 17. And now this week, uh, you, you, hopefully you'll have, you have this... This is important. I hope you're, you, you fill out notes. Um, take notes. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you through these, these messages and are also able to review them. Mission empowerment. Mission empowerment. To be faithful to the mission, we need and must seek the Holy Spirit's empowerment. 
If we're going to be faithful to the mission, we need, we can't do it on our own power. We need an outside power, a power greater than us. We need, and we must seek the Holy Spirit's empowerment. So I'm going to begin with a story because we don't have time to read all of Acts 3 and the first part of Acts 4. I'll just tell it to you in a story form. Peter and John, you know them, the two of the apostles, they're going to a midday prayer service. Uh, remember those? Anybody used to go to those? The church still needs those. We just don't have them anymore. But they're going to a midday prayer service in the temple. And on their way, there's a man there. He's been there. Everybody knows him. He's been there since, uh, well, he's 40 years old. He's in his 40s. And he's lame. He's a beggar. He has a legitimate reason, by the way, to beg. It was acceptable. That type of begging was acceptable in, in Jerusalem at the time. And he's begging because he can do nothing else. And he sees Peter and John. And he looks at them because he wants money from them. And, and Peter says, look, I, I have no cash. But what I do have, I give to you in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, stand up and walk. And the man, remember, lame for 40 plus years, never walked. The man jumps up. I'm not kidding you, folks. <laughs> it, it sounds like it's, it's wrong. You have to go back if you read this story and go, you, you mean he, he slowly meandered up? No, it jumps up. And he, he goes around walking and leaping and praising God. Other people begin to notice, and they see, and they're amazed, and there's a crowd, and the crowd is wondering what's going on. And Peter says, why are you guys amazed? This was done by the power of Jesus Christ, the one whom you, in ignorance, but you did it nonetheless, whom you had crucified. God raised him from the dead, and the miracle you see of this man was done in his name. And as a result, we're told that some believed. But it also got the attention of the religious authorities, and they were not too happy. And they arrest Peter and John, and then they begin to question, and they have a trial for them the next day. You know, how did you do this, and what power? And they said, well, it's in the power of Jesus Christ, and again, whom you crucified. And they make this wonderful statement in Acts 3. There is no other name, no other person under heaven by which we can be saved. And we're told that they wanted to have these guys arrested. They wanted to convict them, but the religious leaders just couldn't do it. They, the crowd had seen this miracle, so they decided to let them go. They're amazed that they have such confidence in speaking. They're uneducated men, but they have such confidence in speaking to this courtroom. They say, well, just you can go, but don't talk about Jesus anymore. And again, Peter says, well, whether that's right in God's sight or not, we have to do what we think is right in God's sight rather than do what we think is right in your sight. And they let them go. So the question is, and, and, and after this, this happens, and I wrote it down for you here, is where do you go from here? If you think about it, they are on top of the world missionally. They've gone three for three or, or four for four, if you will. So they, they see this man healed. That's a win, Right? And then they get the opportunity to share the good news of Jesus. That's one of the goals uh, and the measures of success in the book of Acts. If you get to share the good news, and they get to share the good news, that's a win. And then some actually believe. Some people believe the message and become a part of the church. They join them. That's a win. And then when they get arrested, they outwit the religious authorities. That's a win. That's four for four. 
Now, if you are on top of the world, this is, this, this is not mission impossible anymore, right? It seems like mission unstoppable. Why not go back out? <laughs> I mean, nothing can stop us right now. They, they ought to be thinking that. Why don't they just rush right back out to the temple? Or, or, man, let's go into the temple this time, not the temple area. God's with us. Nothing can stop us. Where do you go from here? And what we find out in verse 23, which I'm going to read to you, and then I'll read a little bit more later, but this is Acts 4. Verse 23 says this, on their release, okay, after these great victories, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. They go back to the church. They go back to the gathering of, of believers. They report, they share their stories, they debrief, they clarify the events, and they pray. Why do they go back to get more of God's help? See, you can't do it on your own. Peter and John realize this. I think as, we, as you hear the story this morning, that I'll read in a moment, you will hear t- a little bit of tiredness in their voice. I think they're exhausted. I think they're physically and spiritually spent. And I think because they saw how Jesus depended on the power of God, they knew after this win-win, win-win, they needed help, more of God's help, more of His power. And they found that in gathering of the church and in prayer. The disciples learned and understood they needed more of God's help. I don't think the church today, when I say the church, our church or other churches, I don't think we're lacking in ideas. Now, I'm I'm all for new ideas and how to reach our, our neighborhood and how to do evangelism and creative evangelism ideas. There's books written about that. Those things are great. But I don't think we are lacking in those things as a church. I think what we we lack and what we forget is our need for a power greater than ourselves, a power outside of ourselves, because we tend not to see or recognize or acknowledge what it is we're up against. We're, in a sense, ignorant of how bad it is, how difficult it is, how against the message of Christ it is, in our world. So just notice, Peter and John needed more power. How much so, and the church at that time, how much more you and I and our church. So let's read through and see what they did when they gathered together for more power. Verses 24 through 28 in Acts chapter 4 this morning. So you got your Bibles open? Are you following along? So that you can uh, hear and read and it's like a double intake, if you will, as we, as we carefully listen to what God's Word says. Acts 4, verse, starting in verse 24. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. <clears throat> Sovereign Lord, they said, You made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against His anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant, Jesus, 
whom you anointed. They did what your power, excuse me, they did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. We're going to pause right there. The whole world, this is point two, the whole world is against Jesus. And then just let that sit in, uh, sit in your brain for a second. Because it sounds like hyperbole. It sounds like an exaggeration. It sounds like Peter's going over the top here. Uh, and, and that's okay. Let, it, let that sound that way for a moment. Because we need to first say what it sounds like before we can hear what, he's actually, what he is saying to us. Uh, just to note a few things. And if you've got your Bibles open, I ask you to, to help me out here. I want you to look for terms and phrases of opposition, beginning in, in verse 26. Do you see any terms and phrases used here uh, about regarding opposition or having to do with opposition? Rise up, there's one. I guess starting in verse 25, too. So you got rise up. Say again. Prepare for battle. Is that what I heard? <coughs> Excuse me, okay. <coughs> we got different versions, so that's good. Anything else? <clears throat> Plotting. Ooh, very good. Against the Lord. How many, in my version, the word against is in there three times. Against, against, against. So you have this repetition, recurrence of these phrases and words that having to do with being against. It seems like Peter is not exaggerating when he says the whole world is against Jesus. Second note, this is a prophecy. It's a little bit weird to our ears. Verse 28, uh, saying, God, they did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. God had decided beforehand and prophesied that people would be against Jesus. And let me just take that back. That's not saying that's what God wanted, okay? It's not saying God one day said, I want the world to be against my son. It's what God decided to send his son that's the, that's the prophecy or the, the, um, the prediction that came true. <clears throat> that's what God predestined, the sending of His Son. And God knew the sending of His Son would bring about opposition. People would be apathetic. People would be angry. People wouldn't care. People would be the full gamut, but in some ways, plot, rage, whatever, they would be against Jesus because God sent His holy and righteous one. So do you understand that God didn't cause people to be against Jesus, but by sending Jesus, God knew it would result in people being against Him. So that's why it says God predestined this to happen. Now, the third thing, and this is probably, a, and let me just say a by the way, we like good prophecies. <clears throat> we love to hear good prophecies, especially you know, Christmas time comes around, right, and we're talking about Jesus' prophecy, He'd be born of a virgin, He'd be born in, in Bethlehem. <clears throat> That one day he would be hung on a tree. There was a prophecy about that. He would rise again after three days. We like those prophecies because they're about Jesus and good stuff. We also like prophecies that are good for us. One day the meek shall inherit the earth. Yes. Or I don't know about you, one of my favorites is that the, those who plot evil will fall into their own traps. Thanks. Laughing at me as I take a drink of water, I don't know why. Um, we like those prophecies, but there are also prophecies we tend to overlook that say it's not 
going to go well for you as a follower of Christ in this world. Those are prophecies that are happening, that are true. It's going to be difficult. If you decide to be faithful to this mission, it's going to be a difficult life for you. No, 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 no. I'm going to be righteous and faithful, and God's going to bless me. That's not in the Bible. If you're going to be following the righteous one whom was, who was crucified, it's not going to go well for you. It's, people are going to be against you in this world. Do you hear that prophecy? That's what Peter's repeating this, knowing that we as Christians need to hear the prophecies we don't like to hear. And then he quotes something from the Old Testament. Um, he really digs in here to show this is not exaggeration, that the problem is bigger than even these Jewish Christians had imagined. So I'm going to use my tiny whiteboard here. I'm liking the whiteboard. You guys like it? All right. If someone writes on their survey, get rid of the whiteboard. I, I don't know what I'll do. I'll be crushed. Okay. So, so he quotes from Psalm uh, chapter 2, verses 1 through 2. He quotes uh, David right there. Do you see that in the first part? Some of your Bibles had that separated as an Old Testament quote. Uh, but he says four things there. He says, the nations rage. Are you seeing that now? Uh, this is in verses 25 and 26. He says, the peoples, and that's, that's plural because it's talking about different people groups, not just one group of people, but different groups or nations probably of people. He, he talks about kings will rise up. And then finally, he says, rulers will band together. So this is the prophecy, okay? Now, if you were a good Jew and you knew this, and you, almost all the uh, good Jews knew this, this passage, when they read this, they heard nations, peoples, kings, and rulers, all Gentiles. The Jews aren't going to turn against the Lord's anointed one. That's what Psalm 2 says. They would be against the Lord's anointed one. That could refer to two people. One would be the king at the time, which would have been David, but also David was speaking prophetically. He was talking of the anointed one, capital A, capital O, the Messiah who would one day come. So every Jew knew that when the Messiah came, the whole rest of the world, not us, but the rest of the world would be against him. Now, Watch what Peter does here as he goes on in, in verse 27. He begins with uh, talking about, let me see if I can find it here in my notes. Uh, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together, so they're conspiring. What is Herod? Anybody know his title? King of the Jews. So this is Acts 4, verse 27. We have Herod. <laughs> Do you see what he did? Everybody that was Jewish said, oh, kings, those are the kings of the earth. And Peter comes in and says, nope, it's talking about Herod, king of the Jews. And then he says rulers. Well, we could put Pilate there because Pilate wasn't a king. We just, he was, uh, he was a governor of, of type. So uh, then he says, uh, what's next? Then he says the Gentiles. All right, that would go along with nations. But then he ends where he begins. He starts with Herod, king of the Jews, and then where does he end? Where it would be peoples. Anybody help me out there? The people of Israel. <laughs> I'll just write Israel there. The Messiah's own people were against him. 
the whole world is against Jesus. And this should not surprise us. When Peter told them this, this was a mind shift in Jewish thinking. But they had just experienced it, so it was the truth. And we also need a mind shift today because when we think of everybody's against Jesus, we say, yeah, that's right. They're trying to get Jesus out of the schools. They're trying to get Jesus out of the marketplace. They're trying to get Jesus out of the government. But that's not the strategy that's happening in Acts 3 and 4. In fact, the strategy here, if you look at verse uh, 18, we didn't read that, it was earlier on in the story. They commanded them not to speak or teach in Jesus' name. The strategy of the enemy of the world that is against Jesus is not to get Jesus out of these places. It's to keep Jesus in the church. Just here on Sunday mornings. That's the mind shift we need. Because when we ask ourselves the question, who have I shared Jesus with this week? Who am I praying, Ephesians 6, 19 and Colossians 4, 3, that I might share Jesus with? We realize <laughs> that the power of this world has been effective, even on me. The whole world is against Jesus, and their strategy is working. It's not to pull Jesus out of these places. It's to keep Jesus contained to Sunday morning for an hour around 10 o'clock and not let him get out anywhere else. And now we understand this. We have been overpowered by the anti-Jesus strategy in our world. Can we admit it? We've been overpowered. We're afraid. We don't want to talk. We, don't, we can't think of the last person or we're not regularly sharing Jesus with others. To be faithful to the mission, we need and must seek the Holy Spirit's empowerment. We need it. And now we realize, just like they needed it, again and again, we need it again and again. So the, the last three points I want to make this morning come from verses 29 and 31, and let me read those to you. Verse 29, now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders in the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And after they prayed, the place uh, where they were meeting was shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Whew. Part of me wishes I had been there, and when I think about the awesome power of God, part of me, glad I wasn't there, <laughs> simply because I don't know if I would have, uh, not, I would have been afraid. Listen, I want to give you three things here. We need the empowerment of God's Holy Spirit. First off, we need the power to believe that God has given us His Holy Spirit. The shaking of, uh, the recording of this shaking is for our sake. It's not to say we need to pray and pray until God shakes our church and then we can go out. When we read in the book of Acts, the descending or the giving of the Holy Spirit and the filling of the Holy Spirit, it is a once-for-all deal. God has already given us His Holy Spirit. 
In Acts 2, the Spirit came down and was given to the church and continued to spread out. There doesn't need to be another giving of the Holy Spirit. There often needs to be more infillings of the Spirit. That's why uh, Peter and John had to go back to the church and pray. Everybody was afraid of what happened. We need more infillings. But the giving of the Spirit is ours. We don't need another shaking of the church. If God wants to shake our church, honestly, I don't know how he'd respond to that, but he knows what's best and he can do it. But we don't need it because it's already been done. We need the power of the Holy Spirit to help us believe we have received the Holy Spirit. Remember your baptism. When you were baptized, when we perform the baptism ritual in the church today, and this has been going on since the first century, we connect Easter and Pentecost. So Pentecost, the giving of the Holy Spirit. So Easter is seen when you are dunked under the water, or if there's a pouring, you know, that's the death of Christ, and then you are raised to new life. And then we lay hands on you. And by the way, as I'm, I'm preparing for this message and reading some stuff, I don't think we're doing it right. I'm laying hands on people, and I think when we do a baptism, everybody ought to get wet. You don't have to get too wet. But we ought to get the person out and have everybody lay hands on them that wants to, all right? So I'm telling you that because I'll forget, and you're going to remind me, hey, remember back in... Whatever the date is, September 16th, that's how we should do it. In the book of Acts, the laying on of hands led to the reception of the Holy Spirit. So when we lay hands on someone after baptism, it's that the Spirit would empower them to go and live this new life. If you have been baptized and you had hands laid on you or you were prayed for, and we have done it this way where we put hands out towards someone, that works too then you have been given the Holy Spirit and you have sincere belief in Jesus. You have the Holy Spirit in your life and you can go and do uh, what's commanded here. You can take the message of good news to others. If you've been baptized and prayed over with hands, you have the Holy Spirit with your sincere faith in Jesus. Do you believe that? I know you may go, well, I don't feel the Holy Spirit. We, we're not meant to feel. It's a matter of trust. We need the Holy Spirit's help to have faith that we have received the Spirit and can go and do this mission. We read this knowing that God, as He answered the prayer of the church in the first century, He was answering for His church today, too. We have received His Holy Spirit. Secondly, we need power to share the Word of God with bold confidence. This is the power that Peter and John had. So in Acts 13, it says they shared the Word of God. Some of your Bibles say with confidence. Some of your Bibles say boldly. That word is repeated in, in verse 29. It either says boldness or confidence, and also in verse 31, they were given boldness. I'm going to use the term for us this morning. I think it's helpful, bold confidence. Because that, that appeals more to what, what, what's, I think what's being communicated here. Boldness is the idea of speaking up right? <laughs> you need boldness to answer a question when the teacher asks and you know and you have to give it and you know every, you just wait for everybody else to answer, raise their hands, nobody else, you guys going flashing back to you know anxiety here in school and you know it. You need boldness to raise your hand. Confidence is how we answer, not in yelling, not in boldly declaring, but with calm composure. Have you ever been in an argument with your spouse and you know you're wrong? Me all the time, Lisa, not yet. One day, maybe. How many times has my wife had to say to me, why are you talking so loudly? 
And I've never answered that honestly. I say, well, just because I'm frustrated. But the honest answer is because I know I'm not winning because I have no confidence in my argument. And so I think the theatrics or the raising of my voice will help, but it doesn't. I believe what the Holy Spirit wants to give us is the boldness to speak and then the confidence to share, not out of fear or timidity or loudly to get over uh, you know, our doubt, but with calm composure because we know there is no other truth, there is no other name under heaven by which men may be saved. I'll make a little note here because if you read this, you probably saw, it might have stuck out to you, it sticks out to me, that when they prayed, they prayed that uh, God would stretch out His hand to heal, perform signs and wonders through the name of His holy servant Jesus, all right? So may God do healings. We don't see a lot of this happening in the church today. Craig Keener is a New Testament scholar. He's written a, a four-volume commentary on, on Acts. Um, I didn't have time to read it, so I watched his, uh, his uh, uh, seven-minute video <laughs> on why isn't there healing in the church today. He's, he says, we can't be sure, but it seems to me that one reason we don't see a lot of healings in the church is because we're not doing evangelism. We're not on mission. In the Western church, we're more comfortable in our pews than in proclaiming the good news of Jesus. And signs, as you see in Paul's and Peter's prayer here, accompany the mission. Keep this in mind, because I've thought of this in the wrong way before. I always think, well, Jesus, if you would just do miracles, our mission would be so much easier. And while it's true that these miracles make it easier for people to believe, that's what just happened, every time you see these miracles happen, uh, well, I shouldn't say every time, but many times when they happen in Acts and and in the Gospels, it makes the mission more difficult. Do you remember how this story started? I told Acts 3, a man has been lame since he was a child. He's now 40 years old. He's walking and leaping and praising God. We think, well, that'll make the mission easy, right? It makes it more difficult. That's why they get arrested. Remember when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead? Well, if we could do that, that would make the mission easy. That's when, in John 11, they began to plot the death of Jesus. So we need to pray so that people might believe through signs and miracles, and I would love to see more happening in the church, but we also need to be prepared that we need even more of the Spirit's empowering to bold confidence Because the more miracles, it seems, the more difficult. And finally here, the power to live holy lives. The Holy Spirit was given so that we might have new hearts and new minds and live new lives. Christ died for our sins so that we could be forgiven. But listen, that's the first half. The second half is He rose from the dead so we might live a new life. And He also sent His Holy Spirit to help us live out this new life. He rose so we could have resurrected lives. And when you live a resurrected life in this world, by the power of the Holy Spirit, you stand out. And therefore, what you speak with bold confidence sticks in the ears of those God lets you speak to. Sin. Unforgiveness, impurity, bondage, selfishness, despising others, lacking in love, these things destroy the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. 
We need to be in our Bible studies. We need to be in the Word of God. We need to be in our life groups so that we can hold each other accountable. We did this, we're doing this in our men's group. You know? How can we help you live for Jesus? Where are you having trouble uh, living out your faith this week? We had a great time of sharing last week. Invite the rest of our men to this. We prayed for each other. Because when we live by the power of the Holy Spirit and God is transforming our lives, then you know the fruit of the Spirit, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I may have missed one or two there. But those things stand out in our world. They make us shine like bright lights. To be faithful to the mission. We need and we must seek the Holy Spirit's empowerment. So here's how I want to close uh, this morning. I want to ask first this question, since we have opportunity. If you have never given your life to Jesus Christ, I want you to have the opportunity to do that this morning. To acknowledge there's no other name under heaven by which we may be saved. You simply say, Jesus, forgive me for my sins. I believe you died for my sins. And help me to trust in you. Empower me to live a new life in you. And Jesus grants us salvation and empowers us to live the new life. And secondly, I want to pray Peter's prayer for us this morning with these points of empowerment. Uh, beginning with the fact that we have been overpowered by our world and confessing our sin and our failure and saying, Now, God, we want to change beginning today. We want to be people who go into our world there's the go, outside of the church and talk about Jesus with bold confidence. That means we speak up and we share with calm composure. So would you stand with me as I, as I close in prayer this morning? I first want to uh, pray, if, if someone wants to, to know Jesus this morning, I'm going to say a prayer and I want you to repeat uh, uh, after me in your heart and then let me or, or Lisa or one of our leaders here know that you asked Jesus into your heart. So you bow your heads with me. If you have not given your life to Jesus, and you want to know Him as your Lord and Savior, you want your sins to be forgiven, and you want a brand new life, if you want to experience what we have experienced, I experienced this in my life when uh, my parents divorced, and I thought, I, I felt my life was just falling out from under me. I was afraid. And then in that moment, God reminded me of His love, and so I, I gave my life to Jesus Christ that night. I asked Him to forgive my sins, to come in, and give me the gift of new life, and I've never looked back. If you're at a place in your life where you know you need a power greater than your own, your fear, you're afraid, you're in sin, you just realize you've been apathetic and not cared, or you know you need God, would you simply pray this prayer? Dear God, please forgive me for my sins. I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins. Cleanse me. And I pray you would send Jesus into my life. I put my trust in him. Give me the gift of new life. In your name I pray, amen. If you prayed that prayer, Jesus is in your life now. And I hope that you will let me or someone else know so that we can send you some material just to encourage you in your walk with Jesus. For the rest of us, we're going to pray uh, kind of an adaption of Peter's prayer. So would you, would you pray with me, folks? Our heads bowed again. This is our prayer this morning. Sovereign Lord. You made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, 
our father David. David, why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Father, we confess we did not see this or recognize it, but now we see that we have bowed to the powers in this world. We have bowed out of fear and perhaps even apathy. We have not shared your good news. We have bowed to the powers that are against you, and the strategy has succeeded in keeping Jesus and talk about Jesus in the church. We confess our failure. Forgive us, Lord. And now we ask for the same power you gave to Peter and to John, for the same power that you gave to uh, the rest of your church, for the power that, that was made available on the day your spirit was poured out, the power that's available as we seek it to be uh, refilled, if you will, afresh and anew. Lord, we ask that you would uh, consider our fears, consider the threats that are in our world, consider our reasons for, for not speaking out. And that you would enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Father, we ask that you would uh, give us power to believe your Holy Spirit is with us power to share the word with bold confidence and empower us to live holy lives. These things we pray in the name above all names. Let's say his name together in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.